0: morning again Uh, so this is by the way the time uh, when we used to do announcements and announcements have been strictly banned announcements are no longer allowed right that means that you are we are not allowed to stand up here and say things like I don't know for example we have a backpack drive for kids who are going back to school in the area and we have three Backpacks so far can get a little bit of a round of applause. We have three backpacks. Okay, all right, all right, right. That's enough. That's the good news. Victoria, are you here? Where are you, Victoria? Victoria, how many of these do we need? Uh, We need 47 more of these backpacks. And uh, I don't know, one, two, three, uh, it's like there are like 47 of you, I think, here at least. (laughs) So we need backpacks that are full of school supplies. So you can go to Walmart or uh, wherever and buy some school supplies and a backpack, throw it all in there, bring it here to the church. If you got a bulletin when you walked in today, it looks something like this. You can scan this fancy little QR code or that one right there, and it will tell you about how to participate in this. It'll also tell you a bunch of other things that are going on here at the church. And because of that QR code, we don't do announcements anymore. Uh, So just so you know. That's how all that works. All right. Uh, so this is when we typically have a teaching time. Kids go off to do their teaching. We do our teaching in here. And uh, we just started a new series uh, around this idea of re-engaging our faith after our faith has been taken apart a bit. A lot of people in this church, uh, like myself, like Janelle. Like many of you have come through a period of questioning, what does it mean to continue to be a Christian after you let go of more rigid or oppressive or even abusive expressions of Christianity? And so a lot of people find a safe space here to openly question and and to doubt and to sort of take apart things that they were given. And, And some of you are in a place where you're wondering how to put that back together again. And so that's what this series is about. It's about reconstructing our faith we're tackling some of the issues that can be a little bit more difficult. And we're calling this a Praxis series, not a teaching series, because I'll do a little bit of teaching, and then Janelle will come up and lead us through a spiritual practice. And so we're doing something that combines reflection and then bodily action. And so this is the part where you have to suffer through the things that I say about these things that we're talking about. Now would be a good time for you to pray for me. Sound good? Thank you, God, again, for this time worship for this space that we have to uh, let down our guard, to be our true selves in community with other people who are learning to be their true selves in front of you. We ask that as we let down our guard and take off our masks and are vulnerable and honest about our questions and our doubts that in some way, in some mysterious way, that we might be exposed to a spirit, a presence, a source of goodness that is bigger than us. That as we engage with you, that you would help us to grow into the people that you've created us to be. And pray that you give us the freedom to do that, and the grace. And we pray that you be with us this morning as we talk about prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, Janelle and I were at a Thanksgiving dinner. I won't say whose house we were at in order to protect the innocent. It was one of those big Thanksgiving meals, right? Where somebody opened their house and they invited a ton of people. I think there were like 40 or 50 people at this Thanksgiving around this huge, enormous table. There's tons of food. And we got to that part, you know, that part at every Thanksgiving where somebody awkwardly is like, who's going to bless the meal? Right. And so this was one of those absolutely insane households that asked everybody to go around the circle and to say something that they were thankful for. You guys know what I'm talking about. You know those like irrepressibly grateful people who think that it's a good idea to ask everybody to speak out loud. And so we did that. And there were quite a number of very traditional minded Christians in the room. And of course, you know, uh, because I've been a minister, a pastor for decades, there's there's always like the obligatory. Jason will like say the opening prayer or whatever. So we did that, but then they wanted to go around the circle and everybody could say something they were thankful for while we were holding our hands and closing our eyes. We ran around the room and one by one people were like, oh God, I'm just thankful for family. You know, and oh God, I'm just thankful for, I don't know, that I live in a free country. And then, oh God, I'm just so thankful that everybody in my family is healthy. And then one guy, one guy did it. He said, well, God, I'm just thankful that you have forgiven my sins. And boy, that was the first domino to fall, because from then on, it was a competition. The next person said, well, God, I'm thankful that you have forgiven my sins through the death of your son on the cross. And then the third person said, well, I'm thankful that you have forgiven all my sins through the death of your son on the cross, who was beaten to a bloody pulp and tortured endlessly for crimes that he didn't commit on my behalf. And and it just went on and on like that. Like every person was one upping the prayer of the next person. Everybody wanted to like squeeze in some doctrinal or theological detail that they thought for sure only they were in possession of. And what was really funny was watching like the agnostics in the room, you know, who were like shaking their head, mm-hmm, yep, uh-huh, because they were just terrified of what they were going to say when it came around to them. This was, I think, a great uh, illustration of what I like to think of as performative prayer. right? You've all heard performative prayer. You've heard me pray performative prayers up here, I'm sure. right? Like the prayers that I pray so that the band has enough time to get off the stage or on the stage. right? Or... The prayers that we pray in our small groups or in our friendship circles that really make it obvious that we're incredibly humble or we're incredibly knowledgeable or that we're incredibly sacrificial or that we're incredibly giving, whatever it might be. This is what I mean by performative prayers, prayers that we don't pray for ourselves, prayers that we don't pray for God, but prayers that we pray for you so that you will think certain things about us. Jesus, of course, taught his disciples how to pray. This is in Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to go ahead and read through this. It's very familiar. In fact, some of you will have a hard time not reciting this prayer in your minds. That's okay. But here's how it goes, starting in verse 5 all the way through verse 14. Jesus says, and whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. This is exactly what I'm talking about, right? Standing out on a street corner, praying in a certain way as to direct a lot of attention to yourselves. They are trying to be seen by others. And then Jesus says something that I think is just maybe one of the most liberating sentences in his entire lifetime. He said, truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Now, what I love about that is Jesus is saying people who pray performative prayers, they're praying it in order to get a reward. And that reward is the admiration or recognition of other people. And he says, guess what? They got it. They got it. And that's all they get. If what you want is the admiration of others, if what you want is the esteem of other people, if what you want is to gain authority over others by the way that you pray or speak, guess what? It's not that hard. We all learn how to do that. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. Verse 6, but whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, Jesus mo- goes from like what I think is one of the most liberating sentences to one that I think is incredibly annoying. I know. He's always like this. He, he tells me to pray in secret. He tells me that in order to guard myself from performative praying, that I had to just do all my praying secretly. That way I have eliminated the possibility that I'm trying to impress you or anybody else. That's a very hard discipline it, because it works. Because prayer done for other people, for their gaze, for their admiration, in order to gain their, authority over them, it works really, really well. And so jesus says if that's you if that's your temptation then pray in secret verse seven then he switches gears when you're praying do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words this is not quite performative prayer if performative prayer isn't working for you there's another kind of prayer that you can engage in that kind of prayer is a sort of coercive or manipulative It's the kind of prayer where you like speak endlessly, so oppressively, so annoyingly, so completely relentlessly that God's just going to give up. Or at least the other people in the room are going to give up and give you what you want. This is the kind of prayer that sort of wears people down. I think closely related is this idea that prayer is a magic act. That if you pray the right words in the right order, in just the right way, in just the right combination of words and phrases, you drop in exactly the right doctrine or beliefs, then the skies are going to open and God is going to say, finally, you got the formula right, now I have to give you what you want. There are whole books and theologies and conferences and church traditions built around this exact idea. If I can teach you to pray just the right way, then all the riches will come your way. All your, your diseases will slough off of your body. All you have to do is order your brain in just the right way and speak in just the right way. And then God becomes like the genie from Aladdin. Right? I'm dating myself. The Greatest Disney musicals of all time. Don't even get me started. I can sing the whole thing for you. We desperately want God to be like that rub the lamp, you know, God comes out and now like it's, God can't help it. God's got all this power and God must do what you have asked because God is bound by your magic incantation. Now, when I say that prayers aren't magic, I don't mean that they aren't powerful. I don't mean that they aren't mysterious. In fact, you'll hear more about that. Prayer represents a kind of mystery that we enter into. But I want you to consider this. I want you to consider that the true meaning of magic is that you can gain power over another person or over God by saying the right words in the right order in the right way. That you gain power and control over them. That's what magic is really about. The idea of magic, at least. Mystery is the opposite. Mystery is acknowledging that you don't have power, that you don't have control, that you're not the one in charge, and yet somehow, mysteriously, good things happen. It is that inability for us to explain what prayer is and why prayer matters and how it in fact works or doesn't work that makes God God and us not. Part of entering into prayer is letting go of this incredibly frustrating reality that you're not in charge. You know what's great about a vending machine? You know exactly how much that Coke costs. When you put the right amount of money in or, you know, nowadays you scan your, you know, smartwatch over it and it's like the bing get that beautiful little sound, you know, little shot of endorphin, and then, you know, $1.50 comes out of your bank account and the Coke or whatever drops to the bottom. It's beautiful. It works exactly the way you want it to. You are in charge. I didn't get that. Could you try again? <laughs> I did not orchestrate that, I promise. <laughs> so, Jesus says... Avoid performative prayers. Jesus says, avoid magical prayers. Then how should we pray? Jesus says to pray like this. When you're praying, do not heap up empty phrases. That's verse seven, verse eight. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Verse nine, ready? Pray then in this way. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others according to their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you." Okay, three quick observations. The first is, um, of course, that Jesus is teaching us what goodness is in this prayer. Jesus was a rabbi, right? First century ancient Judaism. It was really common for uh, disciples of a rabbi to go to that rabbi and say, hey, how do, we, how do we pray? Every rabbi had their take on prayer. Here's how to do it. What this is is a, uh, an outline. Jesus giving them a kind of oral outline, an easy to remember outline for what good and appropriate prayer is. And here's what that outline teaches us. First, it teaches us what goodness really is. Goodness is that the hungry are being fed. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. What does it look like when God's kingdom, God's will, God's power is done on earth? Give us this day our daily bread. God's power has come on earth tangibly when those who are hungry are fed. That is good. The opposite is bad. When we allow hungry people to roam the planet and starve to death, that's bad. We are reminded that God is about meeting people's basic human needs. We're also reminded that what is good is reconciled relationships. A kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. As we forgive our debtors. What's good is to be reconciled with those who have something against you. What's good is to be reconciled with those that you have something against. What's good is for you to forgive and to allow yourself to be forgiven. This is what keeps our households, our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our communities running. And when our households and our neighborhoods, our communities, Our workplaces and our entire nation continues to travel in the direction of being at each other's throats and unable to forgive each other's debts. We have real reason to be concerned. Because humanity works on grace. It works on forgiveness. And that is good. And then third, we learn that goodness means growing up and learning to be wise. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the glory and the power forever and ever, Amen. In other words, right? Teach us to not step in a pothole. Teach us to not commit those things every day that have torn apart our lives. Lead us not into temptation, but teach us to grow up and to learn to make good choices for ourselves and the people that we love. These are the three major points in Jesus's outline. We're reminded what goodness is. Second, the thing that happens when we pray through this prayer is we begin to order our lives around these things. When we pray in this way, over and over again, daily, weekly, monthly, whatever works for you, I suppose. What happens is we begin to order our thinking and our whole lives around this idea of meeting people's basic needs. Forgiving them and being forgiven and learning to be smart and wise every day. This becomes a way of life for us. And lastly, the third thing I think that happens in this prayer is we are reminded that we do all of this, all of these things, not on our own strength. Because this whole prayer is bookended by this idea of a good and gracious God. Our Father who art in heaven. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. All of this is made possible by the fact that there is something bigger, something greater, something gracious and good beyond us. And that when we pray, we somehow mysteriously are connected to this other goodness. We're able to become people like that. And that is a mystery. Amen.